It's sad when you get older, isn't it? You've got to carry around all this stuff on you all the time. Remember to put your glasses on when you read. And I had 20-20 vision till I hit 40. Then poof, it was gone. <laughs> now I've got to use glasses. Oh, well. It's the way it is. Well, uh, the pastor called, or well, sent me a text message this morning and said, could you take my place today? So at any rate, uh, I am taking his place today. <laughs> and uh, even though he was to uh, bring uh, the conclusion to the Fruit of the Spirit um, series, I will not be able to do that tonight. But I do want to uh, look at a subject that is of great interest to me. I hope it is to you as well. Uh, it has to do with our future home. And uh, so um, a teacher uh, asked her preschool class one time, now, how many of you would like to go to heaven? Well, all of the kids but Tommy raised their hands. Tommy asked the teacher, I mean, Tommy asked the teacher, why don't you want to go to heaven? He answered, I'm sorry, but I can't. My mother told me I've got to come home right after Sunday school. A bank in uh, Binghampton, New York, had some flowers sent to a competitor who had recently moved into a new building. There was a mix-up at the flower shop, though, and the card sent with the arrangement read, with our deepest sympathy. Well, the florist, who was greatly embarrassed, apologized, but he was even more embarrassed when he realized that the card intended for the bank was attached to a floral arrangement sent to a funeral home in honor of a deceased person. The card read, Congratulations on your new location. <laughs> well, each of us as Christians are citizens. We are citizens of the United States. We are citizens of the state of Virginia. We are citizens of Richmond, Colonial Heights, Chesterfield County, Chester, Enon, all different kinds of places around here. Uh, but there is another citizenship that we hold, and that citizenship is in a kingdom called heaven. Now, this kingdom is no fairy tale, no fairy tale at all. It's as real a deal, even more so than the pew you're sitting in tonight. This place called heaven is being prepared by Jesus himself, a place for all believers to live in freedom, in security, and social stability. Wouldn't those be good things to have today in our world? A place where we will never know starvation or the lack of any necessities of life. But unfortunately, many people have some misguided ideas about this place called heaven. So we're going to look at some questions that you might have about heaven tonight. We won't get to all of them, uh, but we'll touch a few of them uh, tonight. One of the key concepts, I think, uh, that people have uh, misguided information about heaven is that heaven is a boring place. Won't heaven be boring? Well, this is a common myth. Uh, about heaven. Uh, Isaac Asimov writes, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life 
fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. Sadly, today, many Christians uh, think heaven is a place where we are floating along on the clouds, we're holding our harps, and we're strumming as we go through eternity. What will we do to avoid boredom? Well, many people have said, I'd rather be having a good time in hell than be bored in heaven. Many people think hell is a place where they're going to hang around and shoot pool and joke with friends. Now, that could happen in heaven, but never in hell. You see, hell is a place of torment and isolation where friendship and good times do not exist. Hell will be, a, will be deadly boring, totally isolated from anyone and particularly from God. Revelation 21.8 says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, we've missed a very important truth about God that many people still don't know, and that is everything good, everything enjoyable, everything refreshing, everything fascinating and interesting is derived from God himself. The real truth is, without God, there's really nothing interesting to do. You know, when I became a Christian uh, in college, I thought I would have to give up everything and be a monk or something and do nothing all day long, but read my Bible maybe. But I have to admit uh, that when I became a Christian, I had more fun than I'd ever had in my whole life. And I found a purpose and a meaning in life that I'd never known before. Our belief that heaven will be boring reveals a heresy among us, and that is that God is boring. There is no greater nonsense than this. Our desire for pleasure and the experience of joy come directly from God's hand. If you don't believe that, then just think about it for a minute. Who made your taste buds? Who made your ears to hear the beauty of music? Who made your eyes to see the beauty and the wonders of nature and the universe? Your sense of touch when you pet a little kitten, how wonderful that is. All of these things have been created for us by God. Are we so arrogant to think that we humans are the ones who came up with the idea of having fun? And someone else said, won't it be boring to be good all the time? Well, who said that being good couldn't be fun? And who said that sin is more fun than being good? Somebody did say that, by the way. Who was it? 
Satan did, didn't he? Who did he convince in the beginning? Adam and Eve. He did. It's the same lie that he told Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin is fulfilling, he said, but it really isn't. In fact, it's empty. It shrinks life, and ultimately it leads to boredom. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And heaven will be filled with joy and eternal pleasures. Randy Alcorn says, We think of ourselves as fun-loving and of God as a humorless killjoy, but we've got it backward. It's not God who's boring, it's us. Did we invent wit, humor, and laughter? No, God did. We'll never begin to exhaust God's sense of humor and his love for adventure. The real question is this, how could God not be bored with us? Well, let's talk about another question you may have. Will our work be engaging in heaven? You know, we will be working in heaven. We'll be serving God. That involves action, doesn't it? It involves energy. James Campbell says, The work on the other side, whatever be its character, will be adapted to each one's special aptitude and powers. It will be the work that he can do best, the work that will give the fullest play to all that is within him. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul tells us that we were created to do good works. That will be carried on in heaven as well. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we'll be doing good works in heaven just like we were here. In Revelation 7.15, it says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Then in chapter 22 and 3, he says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. These two verses tell us that we're going to be serving God in heaven. Service is active. It's not passive. It involves activity. It involves energy. Work in heaven will not be frustrating or fruitless. How many times... Have we worked under the pressure of time, trying to get something done? Never enough time. Won't have that problem in eternity, will we? And think of all of the other things that we have problems with in our work uh, days. All of those things will be solved in heaven. That doesn't mean it won't be challenging anymore. It still will be. It just means that we'll have all the time and resources we need in order to complete our tasks. Well, we will be enthusiastic about it because it will be something that will capture our interests and it will be well-suited to our personalities and our talents. Now, in heaven, we will reign with Christ, the Bible tells us, as well. Therefore, we're going to be exercising some leadership and authority and making some important decisions. Now, don't ask me how that fleshes out. I don't know. But the Bible tells us that we will be reigning with Christ. 
We'll be given specific responsibilities by our leaders, and we'll be delegating some specific responsibilities to those under our leadership. We'll set goals, devise plans, we'll share ideas. The satisfaction you have enjoyed uh, for a job well done on this earth is only a foretaste of the joy our work will bring on the new earth. Now, what kinds of new varieties of flowers and plants do you think botanists will study in heaven? What will astronomers discover in our universe as we look for an eternity at all that God has created? We'll be a great community on the new earth. Each of us will be uniquely designed to express His glory. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're not uh, wired accidentally. God has made us the way we are uh, for a purpose. The gifts, the skills, the passions, the tasks that God grants each of us will not only be for His glory and our good, but also for the good of our larger family. God will rejoice as we thrive together interdependently in the new earth's continuously creative culture. We will continue to be creative in heaven just like we were on earth. So if you have some passions here on this earth, just think what you'll be able to do in heaven. What are some of the results of human imagination on this earth? If you could think of some things that human ingenuity has come up with on this earth today, Give me, throw out a few for me here. Some things you remember, you think of. Electricity, all right. What else? I'm sorry? Airplanes, yes. What else? I'm sorry? Telephones, all right. Computers. One of my favorites, the microwave oven. Couldn't make it without one of those, right? <laughs> All right. Anybody else? The automobile. Air conditioning. Yes, sir. Yeah, being from Texas, I love air conditioning. I depend on that. Anybody else? Anything else you can think of? Indoor plumbing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What are some things that we've seen on this earth today? that uh, men have created in the way of architecture. Bridges, all right. I'm sorry? Skyscrapers, yes. The pyramids, yes, thank you, all right. The Eiffel Tower, Empire State Building. Uh, what's that new building over in... Uh, Saudi, is it Saudi Arabia that now has the tallest building in the world? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's uh, quite amazing to look at. Well, I can only imagine what, what new and ingenious things that man, in the context of a perfect world, and we're talking about heaven here, will produce all to the approval of a loving God, the original creator of all we see and experience. 
Now, all of the things that man will continue to create will only magnify the glory of God even more. Some researchers suggest that we now only use 10% of our brain. Just think what we'll be able to do in heaven if we're using 100%. Is that possible? I guess it is with God. All things are possible, right? Remember in the Garden of Eden when God told Adam to name all of the animals? Well, from that day forward, God referred to animals by the name that Adam had given them, not what he named them. Now, this demonstrates the lofty and the meaningful role that God grants us in molding and governing culture. God created us to work in unity with him. God is a creator, and he created us to be creators. Did you ever stop and think about that? Your work, it's your work. You have to create things, don't you? All the time. What we create is an extension of God's creation. He accepts, embraces, and delights in our creation, even as he did the names that Adam gave the animals. He delights in us just as we delight in our own children's creativity. Now tell me what is one of the the prized possessions you have in your, on your refrigerator today. For those of you who have young children. Artwork. That's right. Why? Why do you put the artwork on your refrigerator? Why? <laughs> okay. What does it say? What are you saying when you display your child's artwork? You're proud of them, right? Okay, this thing's coming off here. All right. Um, yeah, you're saying that you're proud of them, right? What have they done? They've created a piece of artwork, haven't they? So we're all by nature creators because God, our Father, is a creator. He delights in us just as we delight in our own children's creativity. Well, okay, what about animals? Will there be animals on this new earth? this place called heaven? Well, you know, animals were part of God's original creation just as man was. In Genesis 1.25, it says, So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. In the beginning, God created animals to be a significant part of His creation. And since he has promised to remake the earth as well as all mankind, it makes sense that animals will be part of the new earth. Romans 8, 19 says, For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. And, and jumping to verse 23, And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting uh, for adoption the redemption of our bodies. You see, all of creation longs to be released from the curse that God has placed on it when he placed, uh, when he, uh, placed it on uh, creation in the Garden of Eden. It only makes sense that they would desire to be released so that they might enjoy life in the per perfect world that God originally created in the Garden of Eden. Animals were part of creation, so they too eagerly await their freedom from the curse. In Isaiah 11, uh, verse 6 through 8, it says, The wolf will lie with the lamb, 
and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion, and the fatling will be together, and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. Can you imagine that? We'd never see that happen in this world, right? In chapter uh, 65, verse 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but the serpent's food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says the Lord. Now, in the judgment of water or the flood uh, during Noah's time, animals were gathered and they were saved from destruction. Now, doesn't it make sense that God would have plans for all of His creation on this new earth? If God preserved them through the first judgment, why wouldn't He make a place for them on the new earth? Now, one thing to remember about heaven, it will consist of a new earth, which means it will carry over many of the attributes that it already has. God's not throwing out all or even part of His creation. He wants to reclaim all of it. Now, another question that you might have is, will we have our own homes in heaven? Well, John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, a better rendition of this word uh, for mansions might be, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Now, of course, God's house is heaven. Uh, there will be more than enough room for all of God's children in God's house. Um, I believe that Jesus is building an individual space for each of his children that is unique to that individual. Have you ever dreamed about your perfect home, what you'd like it to be? Well, guess what? It's coming, all right? Jesus is building a place for you even as we speak today. Each will be built to the personality and desires of the individual. Isaiah 65, 21 says, My people will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. What does that mean? That means that not only is Jesus preparing us a place to live in, but once we get there and we've been there for a while, we'll be building as well. Now, where that is and how that is, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll be building houses and colonies on different planets in the universe uh, as we progress. It's an exciting thought. We too will be involved in designing and building and inhabiting structures, spaces, even beyond that which God has provided. So what won't be in, in heaven? What won't be in heaven? Can you think of some things that won't be in heaven? Sin, all right. What else? Death, no death. I'm sorry? Okay. Won't need that anymore, will we? <laughs> That's right. No suffering, no taxes. <laughs> right. Well, li listen to this list of things. No funeral homes. No abortion clinics. No psychiatric wards. 
no rape, no missing children, no drug rehabilitation centers, no bigotry, no muggings or killings, no worry or depression or economic downturns, no wars and no unemployment, no anguish over failure and miscommunication, no con men, no locks, no death, no mourning, no pain, no boredom. No arthritis, aren't we glad? No handicaps, no cancer, no taxes, no bills, no computer crashes, no weeds, no bombs, no drunkenness, no traffic jams, no accidents, no septic tank backups, no mental illnesses, no unwanted emails, close friendships but no clicks, laughter but no put-downs, intimacy but no temptation to immorality, no hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. Imagine mealtimes full of stories, laughter, and joy without fear of insensitivity or inappropriate behavior or anger or gossip or lust or jealousy or hurt feelings or anything that eclipses our joy. That will be heaven. There won't be any churches or temples there either. Not in this new universe, but that's because, not because they were bad, but because they won't be necessary. We won't need to be drawn into God's presence. We're going to be living there all the time. We'll thank God profoundly, and we'll worship, and we'll praise Him together, whether we're working in a garden, singing, riding bikes, or drinking coffee. Jesus said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. No one will grow hungry, and all will be satisfied. No one will weep and everyone will laugh. That is the promise of Jesus. You can count on it. I'd like for us to go to the Lord in prayer. Appreciate you all being here tonight.